This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. Got a special guest today, another Kansas City guy. He's uh, owned mobile home parks, flip mobile home parks, uh, mobile homes. He's an apartment guy. Uh, he's a real estate hustler. He's got his own podcast coming out here soon. Please help me welcome my guest, Eric Lindsay. Eric, thanks for coming on, man. All right. No, no problem, Ferd. Yeah, pleasure to be here and uh, be talking with your listeners. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Well, tell us, I know you a little bit, but tell us uh, more about your background, how you got into MHP, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, my background is similar to a lot of people that that stumbled into mobile home parks. So um, somewhere around um, four to five years ago, I was going through some job um, instability. And so I work in the construction arena. I still have W-2 income to this very day. Um, but I was kind of going through a lot of layoffs uh, here and there. And it was around like 2008, 2009. And um, I was going through those layoffs. And as I was going through those layoffs, I ended up stumbling into a, a secure job. And it was actually my dream job. It was like, you know, secure hours, secure benefits, the whole nine yards. But as I stayed throughout the years, I ended up running to the corporate politic kind of things. And so the stable job and the dream job turned into a, a very turbulent job. And so it kind of forced me to start looking out to other income sources and just sort of um, searching for some job security or some financial security more. Um, uh, that's, you know, predominantly what I was looking for, some more financial security. And so as I was educating, I stumbled across bigger pockets and I started learning about real estate. And of course, you know, they throw so many uh, niches at you to where I had to kind of cipher through the, the noise and figure out what I was going to pursue. And, and not too long after searching through uh, Bigger Pockets, I finally just made my mind up that I was going to start wholesaling. And so as I was going through the information and concentrating, locking in on wholesaling, I stumbled across a mobile home park uh, podcast and the operator, he mentioned that if a person could locate a deal and bring it to them, then he will pay uh, a referral fee. And so I took the information, I ran with it. I jumped into the, the yellow pages. I jumped into like Google searches and MH Village and start calling parks. And I was able to locate an owner that wanted to sell his park. It was a 600 space park located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. And I brought it to the operator. Long story short, they was able to close on it. And so they syndicated the deal. They paid me a portion of the acquisition fee in the, in the amount of 125,000 bucks. Nice. And so for five hours of work, I was able to make 125,000 bucks. So, so not, not too bad of a, uh, of a return on that. And um, that's kind of what landed me in the mobile home park rent. Man, that's a good, that's a good first start. If you could just do that once a day, you know, you'd be, you'd be there you rocking, go. man. <laughs> Only five hour, five hour days, be chill. There you go. Yeah. I, 
Uh, yeah, I'd run through those uh, 44,000 mobile home parks within the nation pretty quick there, though. <laughs> yeah, they don't all work that well. That's awesome, though. Exactly. So how, what do you see in today's marketplace? I mean, there's a lot of people who have drank the Kool-Aid and realized that mobile home parks are a great asset class, great investment. So it's, it's in my opinion, it's harder today to find deals than it was yesterday. But what, what, what's your experience and what, and what are you what are you seeing in the marketplace? Yeah. So coming in as a, a wholesaler and, and now a operator, uh, because I've, I've recently bought a mobile home park and I, I've kind of flipped it. I held it for like 12 months and just beat capital gains. Um, and so just coming in now compared to where I was, you know, four to five years ago when I first jumped into the space is is heavily saturated. So to say the least, there's a lot of um, operators jumping in and they're paying really uh, high prices per pad. And it's, it's making it really uh, tough for the smaller operators to, to purchase uh, purchase property. So it, it's it, the environment is really tough at this point. But I mean, there's still do, uh, uh, deals to be done if you kind of operate it in the right fashion. Got it. So tell us, how do you find that? that deal on council bluffs or how do you find deals in general? What's your kind of secret sauce, if you will, if there is, and if you can share it as to, you know, finding deals. I think you mentioned wholesaling is a good way to get in the business. I think a lot of people want to do that because you don't have to have an operational team. You can still have a day job. You don't have to have credit. You don't have to have your own money. I mean, some of those things help, you know, to get a deal tied up, you have credibility with the seller, or if you can put up the earnest money or do some of the due diligence, but it, it is kind of a nice, you know, training wheel step to get into the ownership side. And some people don't want to get ownership side. Some people just want to wholesale, but a mm -hmm. lot of people do the wholesales to generate cash to later be able to buy the deal. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I look at wholesaling as, I mean, it's a great way to get OJT. So on the job training, you can learn the ropes. Um, so you learn everything from negotiations to marketing, to um, team building, networking, a whole nine yards. So I think that makes you a better investor in a long haul. Um, you know, I would have preferred the less scenic route <laughs> of, uh, you know, taking so long to kind of get to your feet and, and realize that wholesaling is basically transactional. And uh, it's, it's really hard to build wealth when you're just, you know, churning and burning each deal like that. But yeah, so uh, five years ago, it was it was really um, I'm not going to say necessarily super easy, but it was just a lot less competition. So I was able to locate that first park there. It was 100% just hand dialing. Um, and I did a lot of that while at work. Um, and, you know, in my free time at work, I would make phone calls. Uh, I would look in Google searches, just look up the telephone numbers of, um, of operators and you can still get direct to a lot of the the owners that way. And so it, it's kind of got a little bit more complicated since then. But as of now, we're just kind of combing through LLCs, um, you know, using some co-star information from time to time, uh, using county assessor records, um, doing the secretary of state, just regular typical um, vetting to get to the decision makers and and make a cold calls. And so full disclosure, 100% of the transactions that I've closed has come off of a cold call. So um, the mobile home park that I bought and sold, it was off of a cold call and it was extremely um, 
it was extremely random. So, um, and so I, I'll share this. I'll try to keep this brief, but um, long story short, my wife was making the um, cold calls because she doesn't work. So she um, came home, to take care of the kids. We've been able to keep her at home. Um, and so she was making cold calls while I was at work and she located a, a seller that had recently lost her son, recently lost her husband. And she had just hunkered away and secluded herself from, you know, from the world. And she had been getting pounded and barraged with multiple cold calls, but just so happened, she decided to answer our call. And so, um, you know, the clue there is it's a numbers game with wholesaling. It's a numbers game with reaching out to, to sellers. It, you just gotta, it's, it's volume. You have to take enough action to be able to get some kind of positive result. And so, and that's, that's the whole thing with wholesaling. It's all numbers game. When people are doing direct mail, um, they're throwing dollars amounts and they're tracking their uh, KPIs to make sure that they are able to be profitable and that their dollars and their marketing dollars are actually working um, instead of going into the negative. But yeah, so she was able to locate this lady and we was able to get a killer deal. We basically bought it at a, a 10 cap when cap rates were really somewhere around 8%. The lady threw us out a price and I mean, it was a phenomenal offer. And, and the good thing is during that transaction, um, we was up against a lot of competition and there was people that had been establishing relationships with her uh, prior to that. <clears throat> but because I was ongoing, building that relationship, nurturing that lead, she was kind of almost taking me in as, as a son. Um, and we was really looking forward to having conversations with one another. And, um, and it, it was an interesting transaction. So she didn't have the best of records and, I had to do a lot of trust. I actually didn't um, perform a, a phase one because it offended her. Um, yeah, so, you know, and I, I had to kind of roll the dice on that, but I did a lot of homework, a lot of diligence, just to kind of make sure that <clears throat> it wasn't, um, you know, a hot spot based off of the records around where the park was located. And the good thing it was, it was right up against a high school um, her her uh, boundary line connected with the high school. So typically, if they're building in the area, they probably done the phase one. So we was able to close on it and um, <clears throat> and we five X our cash. So we nice. close. No, oh, that's great, man. No, you hit a lot there. It's a good success story of you know sourcing the deal, going through the county records, Google, however you got to find it, making the call, nurture the relationship you know, get the deal done and then flip out of it and make a bunch of money. That that's great. Yeah. Um, did tell me now, I know you also do mobile homes. How do you, how do you, and you've done apartment stuff too. How do you compare the process of wholesaling amongst those three asset classes, the homes, the parks and the apartments? I mean, is it the same process you're looking at them, same competition, you know, what's that look like? Yeah. So the competition level is just a little bit different, um, but the process remains the same. Uh, the name of the game with wholesaling, you have to have your preferred buyers list. You have to have your preferred uh, buyers, just like a, a broker. So, of course, we know that brokers, they have their A-list um, buyers that they're going to kind of take the off-market deals to. And typically, the reason they're doing that is because, you know, they're closing and they're um, 
um, their fee that they're going to capitalize on is is hanging in the balance. If you don't close on that property, then that kind of hangs them out to dry. And the seller may take the listing away from that broker if you can't perform. And so it's the exact same thing with the wholesaler. We have our go-to people that we know will be able to close and we'll deal with them. So they're going to be receiving our off-market deals most of the time. Um, and and this is it's the exact same thing with mo- mobile homes. When you're wholesaling those, you can either do a handshake. Once you know a person, once you've completed a transaction, your trust level goes through the roof, just like any other transaction. I know you're able to perform. I've seen how you operate. And so our trust level, it has been um, established at that point. And so uh, a lot of times with the mobile homes, I just do handshakes with people and they do a handshake with me. They know I'm going to perform and I know they're going to perform. Um, so as far as wholesaling mobile home parks, um, a lot of that, my actual uh, mobile home park that I um, closed in the beginning, that was done off of NDA. And so we didn't have any uh, contracts, you know, it, you know, NDA is okay. Uh, I know you're the, you're the expert at it. So you can, you can talk a lot more about that, but I wasn't even aware of how to wholesale a mobile home park when I did that. So that one was a, a basic handshake in an NDA that we, we drew up. Um, but yeah, the correct way of doing it is to draw up a contract and that way that assures that everyone is going to perform, um, according to the actual contract. So, um, but yeah, so it's pretty much the same. And as far as competition, mobile homes. So those Facebook ads that people are posting of selling their mobile homes, it is highly competitive, even locating mobile homes to infill your lots at this point, because a lot of operators, they're paying their um, managers to scour the internet for homes and, and things like that. But there's there's uh, other ways to locate mobile homes. Uh, a really good strategy that works and that not a whole lot of people are doing, and I'll just kind of share with your listeners, is direct mail. Um, and there is a great way to be able to source uh, mobile homes through direct mail. You just have to physically drive the the park, get the lot addresses and run it through the U.S. Postal Service and make sure that it actually pops up. And once you verify that address, you're able to send them direct mail. And there's a lot of a lot of people that don't capitalize on that for infilling them their home. So um, but yeah, um, apartment space is super red hot. It's trickling down to the mobile home park space. I'm starting to see um, mobile home parks being just as hot as apartments at this point. Good stuff, Eric. Lots of insights. John, that last comment, I agree with you that I'm seeing cap rates on mobile home parks and you know, premier markets, premier parks are sometimes as low as apartments. So mm-hmm. it's, really, it's really gotten competitive. A lot of private equity. I was at the uh, MHI conference last week and there's lots of big names, big players coming into the space with tons of money to spend. So it's, it's just pushing prices down even though interest rates seemingly are going up. So that's, that's been interesting. Um, your comment about um, mobile homes being competitive. I think you're right that mobile homes on Facebook and other they, they are going very fast. I mean, we had one the other day we tried to buy, saw the posting at 10 AM set an appointment for like 6 PM. They called at three and said it already sold. 
Yes. I mean, yeah. First day, people are people are buying cash. People are buying a handshake. It's it's a little reckless at times. Um, I think people get some people are gonna get stung with the title's not valid. The person hasn't the person that sold it doesn't really own it. Some of that stuff, but I've seen a little bit of that. Um, but you know, I, I get it. Handshake deal. I mean, you you mentioned you know you closed a you know mobile home transaction on an NDA and kind of a handshake. Yeah, I mean, best practice today would be. You know, maybe get an NDA or in a non-disclosure and non-circumvention agreement and then have a wholesale agreement or wholesale contract whereby you get paid no later than closing, your earnest money gets replaced, all that kind of stuff. I have a question for you. When you are, when you're wholesaling a mobile home on a handshake, are you, let's say John Smith owns the home. John's okay. trying to sell for 10,000. Okay. You find John, you cut a deal for 10, you try to sell it to me for 12. Mm-hmm. Do you tie it up in writing with John and, mm-hmm. or do you tell John that you're a wholesaler and you're get like a broker and you're going to flip it to someone else to be determined? Or do you tell John you're going to buy it and close in 10 days and you just got to hurry up. And if you don't actually need it yourself to hurry up and find me in before you drop it, like what's the strategy there? Cause I've, I've seen a combination. I'm curious what your best practices. Yeah. So in that scenario, what we like to do is sometimes we do notify them that we're actually the middle person. Um, and, and that kind of gets all the confusion out of the, you know, the equation there. Um, but in other times, what we do is we've already got a working relationship with a person like you, Ferd, and um, and they they basically trust us at this point because we've closed transactions with them before. Um, and so they'll, they'll just wire the cash over and they, we will then take the cash and actually close the deal for them. We'll leave the, um, either the purchaser's name blank, or we'll fill it in, um, for, um, the, our, our buyer and we'll just take possession. So, um, and we've also done it to the point where we, uh, fill out purchase agreements in our name. And then we'll just transfer it over. And so, you know, mobile, the mobile home industry, it is not so strict, similar to like uh, real estate. And so you can kind of have a little bit more freedom in how you how you do things, um, you know, and, and not necessarily be so by the letter of the of the contract within the mobile homes. Uh, so I'm curious when you say, so let's say I'm the buyer, the end buyer, you've got to convince me to wire you money for you to then go pay cash. My handshake to you, your handshake to them, me wiring you money. How does that go? And how many, and how does that go in the first one? Like I would imagine you come to a guy like me, I'd be like, um, you want me to just wire you the money? What if you run off with it? Right. You know, <laughs> right. It's a big number. I'd wire you $20,000. Mm. That's a lot of trust. So how does, how, how have you been able to convince people to go for that? Yeah. So usually the, the people have, they've seen me around, they saw how I operate and they, it, it's an issue trust process. Um, and so once, once you've kind of established that relationship with the person, then, um, you know, you do one and you know exactly what you're getting at to that. So I wouldn't recommend just doing that with any and everyone because, you know, not, not everyone's going to be a trustworthy person. Um, but once, once you've kind of vetted a person and feel pretty comfortable with them, then I, I would say that it's, it's pretty safe to, to do that. Um, something that we're doing now that kind of uncomplicates that scenario 
is we've been lately just purchasing them cash ourselves. So, I mean, you know, with me selling my mobile home park, it's kind of um, uh, increasing my, my cash, uh, you know, uh, surplus there. So um, I'm just purchasing the mobile homes at this point. Um, and I just take title. I'll leave the title blank sometime and I'll just fill in um, the the information. I mean, that's probably not good to tell the attorney here. <laughs> it's not me. But, to, it's not me to worry about. It's, it's that dang DMV that wants their thirteen dollars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That yeah, happens I a mean, lot. Or I could even, or I could even just fill it out and send it off and get a title to my name and then sell it to the empire. Um, and so, you know, it, it just makes things a lot, more, a lot less uh, complicated. And another strategy that I'm using also is I'm using, I'm using title companies. So it, don't trust me, trust the title company. So we'll just, um, we'll do the purchase and sell agreement. We'll drop the purchase and sell agreement off at the title company and they'll hold it like it's a, a regular transaction. And then the buyer can wire funds to the title company and he, the title company will do the exchange there. So that eliminates that total need of having to trust someone. You would just trust the title company as any other kind of transaction. That's interesting. I didn't know title companies were doing that because they're generally smaller numbers and they're not issuing a title policy. So they, they just charge you a fixed fee for playing escrow. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what they do is they just charge me 300 bucks. Um, so I've, I've kind of negotiated with um, a couple of, um, you know, title companies and let them know exactly what I do. And they basically let me know, Hey, for 300 bucks, uh, you know, I'll handle this. I'll make basically do the exchange of title um, and, and the funds and I'll make sure everything gets transferred. I'll mail off the title, the whole nine yards and everything's clean. Nice. Yeah, that, that seems like a safer bet than the wire, wire some random guy money. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking with some you. of the wholesalers I've bought from. I'm like, I don't think I want to just wire you the money. I, and I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. That's mm -hmm. great. All right, Eric, what other tips or tricks do you have to help people jumping in the space? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think sourcing deals yourself is going to be phenomenal. Actually getting your feet wet instead of um, trusting other people and, and just outsourcing everything. I'm a firm believer in learning it yourself before you're actually you start passing things on to other people. That way you kind of know exactly what you're looking for. You're able to kind of um, be able to track calls like, you know, through my wholesaling experience, I've, I've created a um, a call center with with callers. And so I was actually the caller at one point. So now I know exactly what to be looking for. I'm able to monitor their calls. I'm able to track KPIs, how many calls they've made, the, the whole nine yards. But I, I think a great strategy is to actually get in and get your feet wet yourself. And then you can start outsourcing things so that you can be a, um, a, a lot more productive and uh, know what kind of KPIs to, to be really attentive to. That's great advice. I, I, mean, I agree with that in, in the operations side, especially not just deal sourcing, but operations. It's like there's a lot of smart financial minds that are jumping into this asset class, you know, coming from fancy business schools and fancy hedge funds. And they're now, I'm, I'm now in the trailer park business. It's like, yeah, but do you understand how to operate efficiently? And a lot of these guys don't. They're making mistakes. There's one big operator I know they brought in like 75 houses at once, oh, wow. set them up, 
they bought all the same house, all the same color, put them all in the same time, set them up, got rid of old houses that were occupied, made the tenants leave. Oh, wow. So they had net newer product, but not net newer occupancy or better occupancy. Hmm. And the state comes along and says, why didn't you guys use concrete? And they said, what do you mean? We don't need concrete. They said, well, you need HUD sets. They said, what's a HUD set? Well, it's regulated by HUD in the state of Illinois. If you have a new home, you need this much concrete, you know, ground anchors, XI system, vapor barrier. And they look at them like, well, in the, we just bought a park in the South and you just put the home on the dirt. There you go. Well, <laughs> you just set 75 houses that all need to be removed from the Ooh, lot, put wow. back, which by the way, caused a massive traffic jam on the, on the park roads because mm. they, they wasn't ready for that. They all 75 came off at once. They had to then do HUD sets and then put the home back on. So they lost hundreds of thousands of dollars on basic transport back and forth costs. And wow. my point is, I guess there are lots of financial minds that come in and it, that looks good on paper, but they don't have the operational acumen to have gone through the permitting, the retailer license, the infill process, and then they don't have the experience, right? So if you can learn, if you can do it yourself, if you can do your own accounting, if you can do your own acquisitions, you can do your own due diligence, you can do your own management. Mm-hmm. One day you won't have to do all those things, but you know how to, and you know how to it's better as you say, look for KPIs, key performance indicators, look for where the bodies are buried and have better strategies. And I think, yeah, you got wisdom there on how you're approaching that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that hands-on approach and kind of get your own um, hands dirty. Yeah. I think that's a great approach to be able to be a a much better operator, but it, you know, like you were saying, um, you know, that experience is essential and, and that's why it's good to, to partner up with, with operators like yourself that, that knows the ropes and have actually um, been in the trenches and, and can, you know, lend that experience. Great stuff. Anything else before we go, Eric? And if not, where can people find you? Well, yeah. So I would like to share my uh, podcast with you guys. Um, it's more or less for working professionals, um, individuals that have W-2 income or either is looking to, um, you know, jump into the, the syndication arena in mobile home parks, apartments. Um, so I've got a podcast that serves the need to help out with that. And the name of the podcast is the Moonlight Real Estate Side Hustles and Syndication Show. Um, you can find that on Apple and also you can look me up on my website at ericlindsayrei.com. So that's E-R-I-C-L-I-N-D as in David, S-E-Y-R-E-I.com. All right. Sounds good, Eric. Appreciate it, man. Okay. Talk to you soon, Ferd. All right. Bye now. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.